Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Minor Nation? I'm Anthony Salome, live with Alex Nicholas for for maybe the uh, last episode of the Rush Podcast in the 2014-15 season. Um, we thought it might have been over last week, but we're still here. Well, if we <clears throat> hit the Madison Square Garden, how about a live show from the garden? Or oh, my speaking road trip. Madison. I'm down. I've never been. To, I've never been east. Oh, not been east of, of Austin, but in my adult life. But what's going on? I'm in a great mood. The Raiders released Matt Schaub. We're in an NIT game, and uh, I don't know. We got and we got to, we got ourselves on the background. <laughs> uh, this guy's trying to listen to us at the same time, but um, yeah, I'm not too sure what you're happy about in Oakland, man. That Matt Schaub. We got, back, there. we got McFadden. You can take him. I can take him. I know. Take him. I know. He's made of glass, but. He's made a glass only because he was playing in that black hole, man. But he's going to be a – that's a nice weapon to have. Cause I, I like those other two running backs that I've had, too. Randall likes steal things. And uh, the other back, I can't think of his name, but he was not – Brian Williams, maybe? Or Dunbar? Yeah, there you go, Dunbar. Yeah, but enough about the Cowboys, the greatest team in the NFL. Um, we've got a lot to talk about this week as far as Utah sports are concerned. Obviously, the big story – of the weekend was UTEP basketball and their early exit from the Conference USA tournament. But all that was kind of put to rest on Sunday last night when we found out that the Miners would be taking part in the NFT tournament. I know that I was ecstatic. Um, as up and down as the season has been, man, that was uh, to me, that was just, I didn't want it to end. You know, I, I'm, I'm as pissed off as anybody. I'm not trying to hide it. I'm very disappointed in what this team has done. I'm very disappointed in Coach Floyd and his staff, and, and the way that they haven't been able to get this team ready to play in the biggest games. Um, you know, call me a hater, call me what you will, but in the end, I, I bleed orange and blue, and I'm I'm just glad we're playing another day. And there's an opportunity for that. I mean, it doesn't maybe, like, you, like we talked pre-show, it maybe doesn't wipe away the disappointments that we watched against Western Kentucky, Marshall, Southern Miss to beat on the dead horse, but, I mean, it, you know, it does make some type of constellation that this team comes out and just plays with that fire, with that intensity, you know, with the skill that we know that this team could do, this, this talent pool that we have. It's got to be able to come together. Just like you said, it starts with the top. There's going to be a tough way to prepare for this tournament on such a quick turnaround, but we'll definitely get into that and much more. Uh, but wanted to t- start off the show by talking about a big, 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 big hiring uh, in the UTEP scheme of things, of course, naturally it won't really draw that much attention. But Robert Rodriguez, former UTEP legend, we got it up on the website right now. You want to check that out. Robert Rodriguez signing, um, accepting the deal as an assistant coach with the Minnesota Vikings. Check out this UTEP connection that the Vikings have, though. Yep. He's going to be working alongside defense, a former UTEP defensive coordinator, Andre Patterson, who's a defensive line coach there, who's working under Mike Zimmer, who – Mike Price gave his first assistant job back in the 80s at Weber State, so or Weber State, Weber State, however you pronounce that. But what a nice connection to have there, and what a good stepping stone for a guy like Robert Rodriguez, who, I mean, ultimately, you know, I, I really actually kind of talked to him a little bit in my time here at Minor Rush. You can tell he's an NFL guy. You can tell he loves UTEP. He has passion for it. But the guy loves to talk NFL football. The guy's a definitely NFL guy, and I really, really hope that this is a stepping stone for bigger and better things and kind of uh, – Maybe even seeing him run a defense, you know, yeah. in, in the future. So I just think it's a big thing. I've been, I mean, Robert Rodriguez was UTEP football in 2004. Even you know, during his, pretty much during his whole tenure, Robert Rodriguez was UTEP football. And to see a guy like that, to be able to see him on Sundays to do his thing, and the impact that he had here at UTEP, and you've seen uh, our post where he let, where he basically coached the leading tackle group in three different positions 
uh, from 2010 to 2013, which is pretty impressive, I think, and just a great guy overall. And a, like I said, just a, obviously a, a big stepping stone for him to enhance his coaching career after, you know, here a good coaching career at UTEP, which I think. No doubt about it. Like you talk about him, an NFL guy, and, and I'm sure he's he's aspiring to big to some big things and just a great a great entry let's call it you know not so much right. a stepping stone as far as he's using this you know to to get to bigger things but just a great entry into the NFL he's he's put in a great situation under a, a very good head coach in, in in Mike Zimmer and and you know under a guy that he's familiar with in Andre Patterson so great position to be put in and I'm sure he's going to do big things in the NFL and it's awesome to to see that that UTEP family represented uh, again in the NFL. Because as far as I know, I don't think there's any former minors uh, coaching in the NFL. Obviously, Sean Kugler, who we've got here now, uh, was there but it, with Pittsburgh. But I think Robert Rodriguez will continue that on and, and carry the name very very, uh, very well. And, and I'm, I'm happy for him, and I know that he's, he's on to some big things. I've always been a Mike Zimmer fan. I, ever since I watched um, Hard Knocks, with, with, he was with the Bengals, mm-hmm. and I just got, like, this big-time respect Um for Mike Zimmer, just because of the way he runs things, you know, I've been around sports my whole life, and I always love the inside fact when they take you into the big time teams, how they run things. Because I went, I was at a low level junior college, I played some low level pro ball, but it was nothing to to the fact of when I'm watching Hard Knocks or even watching a movie with, with the draft day, even watching that, you know, it just kind of gets you into the schematics, and you, and you get to see what, where people talk about. He's a great coach, or he's a great fit for a locker room, and you see that. And Rob Rodriguez is going to bring a lot of on-field knowledge and also locker room knowledge. So, congrats to him. Uh, a little bit, couple of notes here on spring ball. The guys were back in the day, while just posting a fan post of the uh, practices, and uh, kind of a little expert with excerpt of it where uh, Deshaun Smith, defensive backs, talking about turnovers, and they want to grab at least three or four turnovers or five turnovers of practice. Um, so obviously there's some hard work, there's some high goals set over there. I'll get out there Friday to have a little bit more for y'all, but miners are back on the field Monday, Wednesday, hoping that that Friday is a scrimmage. I'm just praying to God that somehow that's a scrimmage so I can get a look at that quarterback competition. No doubt about it. That would be huge, man. Moving on from football, though, and into some other news in, in basketball, outside of the whole NIT picture is uh, a recent commitment from Josh McSwiggin, a 6'7", small forward out of England, um, Considered a two-star by verbal commits, I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I've seen a little bit of video on this guy, and I know that people are kind of happy that that, Real happy. that he signed. And I, from the video that I see, it seems like he's a very good addition. He's got a lot of tools. He can shoot. He can drive. He can he can dribble. He's got good court vision. Uh, he's he's pretty athletic, you know. Um, so I, he seems like a good ad, but I mean. Considering he's out of the country, there's not as much recruiting info as some guy that nor- that would you know play here in the states that that would normally have on a guy like that. So it's kind of hard to to judge him based on one or two videos that you find. But uh, from what I can see, the guy looks like he like he's a pretty good athlete. He is, and he's very crafty with that athleticism. His, his one thing that stood out for me when I'm watching his film is the pump fakes that he moves, the ball fakes that he moves are just very crafty. Mm-hmm. I think not only where he's playing at, but here in the United States, you just don't see the smart, quick pump fake to open yourself up for that just a little wiggle room to get a good-looking shot open. And that's when you see with McSwiggin. And the bigger question, though, with me, and I hate to sound like a Debbie Downer and sound like a hater, but, I mean, where does this guy really fit in to the recruiting mold, or not only the recruiting mold, but the rotation for next year? Because we've seen guys – how many guys have we seen like a McSwiggin? Maybe not, um, you know, a guy that, that that's coming from overseas, but a guy with skills that's tall – 
6'7", athletic, but we don't see him his freshman year, i.e. Tymon Howard. Uh, going back to Trey Touchette, who was the Louisiana Gatorade Player of the Year, with accolades, guys that have U.S.-based recruitings, and the only thing I've seen is where they're comparing him to Chase Budinger. Now, I'm not saying this guy is a bust or this guy isn't going to make it, but, you know, I think we really need to start getting into this trend of, of Floyd, you know, going after project guys, and, and will they pan out? And I really – I'm on the fence. I, I know Minor Fanatic, great commenter, love you, bro. Had a chance to drink a beer with them last year at the Conference USA Tournament, saying that he's a forest, five-star caliber guy. I got to disagree with that. I just don't see, you know, I see the tools. I see everything that Anthony brought up, but it's a different ball game when you're coming into the NCAA Division One basketball. And we're looking at some of the kids he's playing. I'm pretty sure he's playing against good talent, but I just don't think he's that big of an impact guy next year. Oh, yeah. And I think this could be a Prop 48 guy, could be a redshirt guy, but there's well, no think, denying the skill set You know, I think that something that, that we have to start kind of getting away from is is hoping – for every single guy that commits to be the guy that's going to take us to the next level. And that's why I'm at with him. Every single guy to be a Vince Hunter or, you know, I hate to bring it up this name, but say, as say, always, say, you know, say. Isaac Hamilton, you know, you want him to, to be that guy that's going to come in and contribute 20 points a game next year. And honestly, not every player is going to be that. But I do think that it is a different game, obviously, it, it, you know, overseas in Europe compared to what you see here in the States. I think it's a lot more competitive out here. Yeah, it's more physical. It's more physical over there, but it's more competitive here because this is a this is a bigger sport here. Exactly. Over there, most kids don't grow up saying, let me play basketball. They want to play soccer. They want right? to play soccer. So, you know, when you when you consider that, are you really going up against the best talent? So do you really develop as well as you would if you were playing against the best talent? I don't know. I mean, that's not to say that he's not good, like you're saying. That's not to say he's not going to be an impact player, but he might need a year, maybe two, to really come into his own and be a contributor for this team. But again, I think as as minor fans, we have, we have to take a step back and say, you know what, not every single guy that comes in is going to be a 20-point-a-game player. If, if, if they were, then we'd be Kentucky. You know, and we'd be the number one team in the nation with five All-Americans and everybody in the first round of the NBA draft. That's just not the case. It's not going to be the case. We're going to have our guys that are going to be able to contribute immediately. We're going to have our guys that are going to need some time to, to <clears throat> kind of develop and get into the to the flow of things. And McSwigan might be one of those guys, but you never know. Maybe he comes in and he is uh, Division One ready. That's not something that you can judge until he's on campus exactly. and sees some time in practice and in scrimmages, and then you can make that decision. But either way, I think a lot. I think a lot of people are excited about this this commitment, and um, I think I think he, he he fits well into the scheme. Other other than what we're talking about with just seeing how he translates from 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 that game into the U.S. game to Division One game. Other than that, I think he'll fit well into the system. And, and um, that's where I'm on the fence with that. Is you know how does he? I, I just don't. I think his upside is great with the skill set, and I think under a guy like Floyd with Ken DeWee, so they could work on his game. I think he does, but I mean, I just see a lot of people, even on minor rush, that are already putting him into into next year's rotation, which isn't wrong. I mean, hell, that's what we that's what we have. We're at minor rush for. We're here to talk, you know, throw our ideas out there. But in just my personal opinion, I just see him kind of being a guy that really has to, just like you said, come in and practice and show that he can compete right away. But I mean, there's no doubt about it that. He has a shot. He has that skill set. It's just that competitive nature of coming in. And, and, you know, we saw it this year of just, you know, you got to be ready. And you look at the guys that we expected. I mean, we were, we even talked about, I think, on the last couple of podcasts where we expected to be like 8 to 12 deep in a rotation, like, yeah. you know, legitimately. And next year has that, 
you know, it also has that feel too with, with so many guys that are registered in the recruiting class. But I mean, is this guy really going to pan out is the big question. And I'm going to hold judgment be- and part of it because I haven't seen much. Yeah, you know, that, I haven't seen, and I think that's really where I'm at. I haven't seen much. I, I've talked to some of our sources and they don't really know much. You know, and, and, you know, so there's not really much info on this guy for me to really legitimately say, hey, he's going to be an impact player next year. I doubt it, but there's no denying that he has that potential with his skill set that you've seen on videos. You know, one thing that I do notice on the video is is that he is he does seem very active, you know, and, and you don't see a lot of defense from him in these videos. But, again, he, he likes to attack on, on shots coming off the rim, trying to get rebounds and, and find a guy to box out. So you like a guy that is active like that and trying to do those little things because normally that translates well to defense, and, and that means he's willing to do those things on defense as well. So, I mean, in that case, as a defensive player, if he is that, which I can't really say either way, but just from what I've seen, with these, it seems like he wants to do those little things. I think I think he does fit into to Floyd's to Floyd's profile for what for what he's looking for. Talk about a guy six seven, right? Long, athletic, can shoot. I mean, that's pretty much what Floyd's gone after. Yeah. You know, that's that's if you just said if you just said it's those things, not just yeah, yeah, exactly. So in that talking about that, I think I think he'll do well, but only time will tell, man. It could be a year from now, and this guy might not even be on campus. You just you never know. I mean, at this point, he's a verbal commitment until he's here on campus. Then we'll go ahead and, and I guess. Reserve judgment until then. Oh, no doubt about it. So the question I'm going to pose to you while we're on the UTEP recruiting uh, topic here is it looks like from the outsider's perspective that Lou Stallworth was projected to be their starting point guard next year or basically 1A, 1B with Omega is gone. So now that opens up another Scully combined with one other one that was already open. Well, it's been closed now, so basically one other Scully. And you know that there is a prop 48 spot open. Where do you go w- with this remaining one? We know Connor Clifford's I mean, a big guy that is starting to, to gain interest, as is Tyson Jolly, a guy that's really high on my watch list. Yeah. And uh, some people are looking at, at some comments on minorists don't really like his shot. Um, they think he's more of a slasher, which I think UTEP needs more of a slasher than a shooter. And then you have uh, Kijan Fagan, the point guard out of uh, California, uh, Pauly, um, you know, high school kid. Then you got those three guys, and you haven't really heard much about anybody else as far as big time targets. Yeah. But out of that pool, you basically got a six four shooting guard, a seven foot center, and a and a six My, foot point guard, distributing point guard. I don't Where even do need. Go? I don't even need to 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 question it at this point. Um, my wish list is Tyson Jolly. That's that's who I want. You talk about the the chemistry that he would have with Omega, um, and we need shooters. Even, you know, even not just talking about next year, but looking beyond next year, we don't know how Trey, Trey Touchette and Jake Flaggard are going to pan out as far as being able to shoot the basketball. Um, we need shooters. And so I would like to see that shooting guard come in. Omega, in my opinion, from everything that I've seen, he is a true point guard. Yeah, I, think I, I mean, agree he too. is a true point guard, and he will be our point guard for the next four years. I have no doubt about that. Whether or not Stallworth comes back, which obviously we don't think he is, but regardless of that, Omega Harris is the starting point guard. And and to put him alongside Tyson Jolly, I think is huge. And so a lot of people were talking about, you know, we need bigs, we need bigs. When you look at when you look at the roster, you're gonna have Matt Williams coming back. You're gonna have obviously uh Vince Hunter coming back. You're gonna have Terry Wynn, who should be 
probably, you know, have a little more, a few more pounds on him. She'll be a little uh, more ready for the Division One game. You're going to have Hooper Vint, who's, who's got some quality minutes this year, even though he still needs to develop a little bit and improve. But you're going to have four guys in that rotation. You haven't even mentioned that Christian Romine is going to be coming in. Um, Paul Thomas is more of a three. He played the four in in high school, but I don't know. You think he'll translate to a four? I, I, think, I, think, I think when Floyd wants to go small, I think you put him at the four. I, I, you know, and, and you say small, you maybe move him to the five and put Hunter at the four. You know, but yeah. but, but I think I don't think he's going to be a set four. But I think certain lineups. He so so in that sense, you've got at least five, if not six, guys in your rotation for the four and the five. So I mean, you're not really thin at that at those positions. So I think you don't need to spend another scholarship now. If there was a player that was going to come out and and be a star right away, you know that you didn't need to develop then by all means, you would, you would offer him that scholarship. But from the pool of players that we've got, I think Tyson Jolly is the best answer. I think we've got our point guard. I think we're pretty well set at, at, at the bigs. Now, could we be better at those positions? Of course. Could we use more depth? Of course. But I think what we really need is a shooter. That's something that we have lacked almost every year since Tim Floyd has been here. We don't have shooters. Urban Morris at one point in this season seemed like he was going to be that guy. C.J. Cooper last year seemed like he was going to be that guy. We just don't have those shooters, and that, for me, is what is keeping this team from getting to the next level because every time they need a big shot, they don't have anybody to go to. Agreed. I mean, seven-footers look great. Connor Clifford will look great in a layup line, great in the airport. But what's plagued this team is shot makers, playmakers. Not, and, and I agree with you on the shooters, but we also need a slasher. We need a guy from the guard position, not, not Vince Hunter, who we already have, not who uh, – uh, Paul Thomas, who I think can also be this, but a guy that can create his own offense and get to the free throw line via the dribble drive. That's maybe not something in Floyd's offense that's always set up, but just imagine how much of that type of uh, – to put an example, like like a uh, Stephon Jackson, a guy that just can slash, can pull up, can get to the free throw line, go through contact – Get you those big time add ones. That's what they needed. And Tyson Jolly's that answer. Yeah. I'm also even going as far to say maybe even Fegan. You know, if you bring in a guy like Fegan, yeah, and, like and, well. and he comes like in and, well, and he yeah. impresses, and maybe he takes over the point guard, Omega can go off ball. But Tyson Jolly is definitely number one. You need a guy like that that can score. Now I know he's had some health issues. I know that's maybe a concern for a couple of people. But you know what, the kid, there's no denying he is blowing up. He's got big time schools after him now. You hope UTEP isn't becoming an afterthought. But like you said, that Omega. Harris factor, I think, is going to become a huge, huge thing. I mean, look at the offers you just yeah, picked right. up. Crazy. Creighton, TCU, Tulsa offered right after Cal did, and SMU is also offered, and Oklahoma State. And those were all within the past three to four weeks, just on monitoring on Twitter. So this guy is really, really legitimately I, – I wouldn't call him a big-time scorer, but he's a guy that will get you buckets. And I think just that fact of having that slasher to get you to the free throw line, which opens up other shooters, that's really the need in, in – I see some guy all the time on our Facebook page talking about seven-footers, please. I mean, Coach Floyd, everybody said the college game guard play wins your games. Look at La Tech. Now nah, they're not in the NCAA tournament. But, you know, how much of a threat they are. And even the team we're going to play is Murray State. Yeah. Somebody left a comment, isn't Murray State like La Tech but can rebound? I mean, that is, that's what this team needs. They need slashers. They need scores from the outside that can open up, dump off. Vince Hunter, I think, is the best when he doesn't have a ball in his hand and he's cutting. Off of what? Off of, off of either settling on the top of the key or, or or from the top of the circle, throwing it out, or, or somebody off a move, 
dishing uh, for a cutting Vince Hunter and slashing Vince Hunter. That's when he's the best. That's going to open it up, and that's what they need. I'm hoping Tyson Jolly makes that move. No doubt I believe it's April 15th, the and, signing and, and, and looking at that slasher, I think you definitely need someone with a little more size. Because I like Kajan Fagan, or Fagan, I don't know how you, how you pronounce it, but I, I liked him in the video that I saw of him. The guy is super athletic, great shooter, but... When you start talking about a guy that can do more than just shoot and can slash to the basket, get to the rim, finish through contact, you're going to need a little more size. And, and Jolly at 6'4", six, 6'5", six, I think he, he would definitely fit that role a little better. He's more of the all-around package. And so for me, again, number one, Tyson Jolly. I, I'm really hoping that the Miners are able to snag him because I think that would be a huge get and, and a piece of the puzzle that would really complete it going into next season. Couldn't agree. That would solidify it. Also, would probably boost. UTEP's recruit. I mean, I know that he's not a three-star, or he's a three-star, but he's not a four-star. But with his offers and the way he's blowing up, he's a gentleman four-star. And by the end of this period, when they reevaluate, UTEP can move out of the top 50 into that top 40. Sure. And, and a legitimate top 42 with the guys are bringing in. So, a lot to keep an eye on. And also, I mean, you never know who's going to come back. You never know what's going to open That's up. That's true. Any transfers. The guy I would love, and I never heard, haven't heard a word of it or a peep. I'm just kind of being dumb. Rashad Suleiman. Suleiman <laughs> from Duke. Oh, we could get him next year, man. That'd be great, but that, that's probably a lot Was he, of Is he already a junior, though, or a senior? I think he might be a senior, but he's from Houston. He has Texas ties. But so he's still got eligibility? I think he's got one year left. I think he's got one year left where he could go pro. I would personally with him, I'd go overseas. But, I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not Mr. Superman. Well, let's quit dreaming for now, and let's move over to the biggest news, I guess you could say, of the of the weekend, which was obviously – UTEP getting into the NIT tournament. Tell me, man, we, we talked about in a roundtable discussion that we had that we're working on putting up on Minor Rush, but what were your thoughts? How 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 shocked were you, you know, throughout the whole process from, from when UTEP exited the tournament, the Conference USA tournament early, you know, throughout throughout Saturday into Sunday, seeing how the NCAA tournament was selected, and then going into the NIT tournament? How, how did that whole process go down for you? How how shocked were you? Were you shocked at all? What did you think? I was pretty damn shocked. I really was because I'm thinking Friday and seeing that updated bracketology Saturday and even seeing some of it on Sunday, it just it looked like UTEP just hadn't done enough. And they, and when I say haven't done enough, those big wins. But when when I looked all after after the aftermath and saw UTEP's schedule compared to the people that were left out and the people that are in it, it's not really surprising. Yeah. And, and it's sort of kind of, it's sort of kind of, in a way, like the NCAA. They're kind of rewarding teams for maybe not winning big games, but for having the balls to go out there and play those games. And and it's perfect. You, you said yesterday, when you saw La Tech as that three seed, yeah. you just had to think that if Old Dominion is going to be a one, UTEP beat Old Dominion on their home floor by double digits. And, you know, UTEP didn't beat uh, La Tech, but they played La Tech twice at home and on the road, and La Tech was a three. So at that point, you're thinking UTEP is a six through eight seed for sure in this thing. You know, and, and like I said, I was shocked even when you said that. I was still shocked that, oh, damn, we got, we got in? the hell? But when you look at, at, at maybe not their body of work, but the resume mm-hmm. and, and kind of, you know, I, I'm thinking maybe some of these people even listen to the, the, the preseason hype of Seth Davis and those guys are thinking, hey, UTEP's a legitimate team. They still won 20 games. They had a couple of bad losses, but look who they played. Uh, you know, they played Washington when Washington was good. They held theirs, you know, they I don't think that Arizona game was close. We need to stop saying that. Arizona was up 10 with four or five minutes, but it's still an impressive loss. But, I mean, either way, I was really uh, shocked to get in and excited because, yeah, Murray State's a tough team, but this is an opportunity 
for Floyd to get that signature win. Yeah. This is an opportunity for UTEP, this program under Floyd, to get that signature win. And with so, it's, it's like a perfect storm for UTEP to make a name with herself. Murray, everybody's crying. Dick, Dick Vitale, or Vitale, however you say his name, went on a tangent today about it. Now, if UTEP goes in there and stomps them, that right there is why I'm excited. I don't want to play Monument State or whatever state. I want to play the best, even if it is the first round. And that was more exciting. Not the fact that UTEP was in, but Murray State on the road. Let's go make history, right? Yeah, I completely agree. And for me, you know, I, I really thought there were, it was kind of crazy because there was a point where you thought it's done. Like, you, I thought, uh, you know, going into the Conference USA tournament, I thought we had to make the finals to secure a spot in the NIT. And then you lose in the semifinals, and I'm thinking, yeah, um, this isn't looking good, especially the way it went down to Middle Tennessee. If you would have lost to Old Dominion, you might have had a shot. But at least this is what I'm thinking yep. heading in. Exactly. You know, you lose to Old Dominion, you got a shot. But, you know, you lose to Middle Tennessee, a team that you should have beaten, um, now you're not looking so good. So I was up and down. You know, you start seeing the projections, and people look to seeing them in. We were talking about it before, you know, in, during the day, how we felt like, they were right on the bubble. Yeah. It was either one in or one out. And, you know, being considered a sixth seed in the NIT is really like being one of the last four in as as a team like UTEP. Because seven and eights are, are no different than 15, 16s in the NCAA tournament. They're kind of reserved for those small schools that won their league, didn't win the conference championship, and they're making it into the NIT. And they're going to have to play on the road. Exactly. <laughs> so they got those eight seeds and those seven seeds. So, I mean, there's really the eight seeds are for those guys, some sevens, just depending on how it goes. But so there's really only four six spots and maybe one or two sevens. So there's only four or five teams that are on the bubble. And UTEP was definitely one of those teams. But like you said, like we were talking about, once I saw La Tech at that three line, it just, to me, it said a lot about, about how the committee felt about the strength of Conference USA. And that gave me, you know, a lot of, I was I was almost expecting us to be called at that point. And, and I mean, I'm just glad it's not over. But, you know, like you talked about with Murray State, man, this is, this is going to be an extremely tough game. We've had so many opportunities. By the way, I disagree with you on the Arizona game. I completely think it was a, a close game. We, we were winning. I, I, think, I, think there, I think there was just that stretch of four or five minutes when they were up 10 to 12. Well, we, and, we and, were, and we were buried. To me, we were buried at that point. No matter, you know, I think Cooper hit a three, and, we, we and, but winning. I just thought we were buried. We were game. winning. But we were up one about till about seven, like ten minutes ago. Let me see, just to just to go off real quick and talk about this. We're up with twelve minutes. It's tied at ten minutes. We're up at ten minutes. They're up one with nine minutes. They're up two with nine minutes. Still a four-point game with seven minutes left. Four-point game with five fifty left. Four-point game with five minutes left. It was a close game, man. I just, I, don't I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. When you go down to one of the top teams in the nation, the closing minutes, it's that much harder to make up even a four-point yeah. deficit. I understand that, but regardless, we we've had a, a ton of opportunities this year, man. And and like I mentioned to open up the show, you know, I'm I'm still extremely disappointed with the letdown of this season. This this was. The opportunity. This was supposed to be the year that that UTEP made it back to the NCAA tournament. We had every opportunity. We had all the weapons, and for the most part, we stayed very healthy. Yes, Vince Hunter was a little banged up. Yes, Matt Williams missed a couple weeks, but you know what? This is this is major sports, man. That happens to everybody. Everybody. I mean, you have to learn how to play through that. 
And and you know, regardless of the, of what happened there, you know, we had chances early on in the season with Washington. We lost by three. Colorado State, we lost by three. NMSU, when NMSU had nobody, I mean, just with their they sat everybody that game, and and still they beat us by seven. That that's like you know, those games just really hurt us. Arizona, we talked about. Louisiana Tech, we talked about. Obviously, the, the Southern Miss and Marshall games hurt us. And Western Kentucky, yeah. it's just so many opportunities this season. It honestly, I'm not even asking for Arizona. I'm not even asking for La Tech. I'm not. I'm not even asking for Washington or Colorado State. But give me NMSU. Give me Southern Miss, Marshall, and Western Kentucky. Those four games. This is an NCAA tournament team. Because we have zero bad losses. We've got a couple good top 50 wins. We're in the NCAA tournament as an at-large guarantee, bro. And, and that's what hurts so much about this season is, is you didn't take care of business when you should have. I'm not worried so much about the big-time games that we couldn't close out because you know what? Sometimes the ball's going to go your way. Sometimes it's not. And, and in those cases, we had a few shots that we missed that if we make – we win the game, but I'm not gonna cry over spilled milk. But the ones where you should be winning, as this as as talented as this team is, and with quote unquote as good of a coaching staff as we have, you should not be losing to to Marshall and to Southern Miss. I mean that just that that's what killed me the most about this season and what killed us, our resume and relegated us to being an NIT bubble team. You know, at the beginning of the season we thought, all right, even if we don't make the NCAA tournament, we're in the NIT. And it came down to the last minute for us to be like, are we in? Are we in? Are we in? Fingers crossed. You know, that kills me, man. That kills me. But, you know, Murray State, a team that that is just going to try to score all night long. Uh, And they've got four or five guys that can do it, starting with Cameron Payne, who comes in as one of the leading scorers in the nation, over 20 points a game. That guy can fill it up. This is going to be an extremely tough game for the Miners. Talk about the quick turnaround with finding out last night that you have to fly to Kentucky. You know, you have to fly out today. Probably just getting there now. Maybe a couple hours ago, you're gonna get one solid practice in, and you got to play. It's gonna be very tough. Not only that, but you just got back Sunday morning from the conference USA tournament. You spent all day in Saturday doing God knows what in, in Birmingham, and now you have to prepare in less than what 36 hours, 48 hours for a big a big time game. And I think this is an important game for Floyd's regime. It really is. I mean, it, like like I mentioned, you have an opportunity to really, in a sense, shock the college basketball world because. A lot of people, maybe even outside of this city, in Murray, Kentucky, think that they're going to have a pissed off team play on to play tomorrow night with the talent that they have, and that's going to be huge. That's going to be a big thing overcoming in a hostile environment. Read on Twitter there was something about less than three thousand or some tickets left for tomorrow. It'll probably sell out. And, you and know, it's going to be. Atmosphere. I'm not sure how many people that that stadium fits, but it's going to be 100% Murray State fans. Yeah, I think it's going to be like five something. There's going to be like a hundred UTEP fans if that, you know. So. I mean, it's just it's going to be a really, really tough game, and and we're going to have to have our best performance of the season if if we're going to want to come away with this win. It's, it's going to be tough, man. I mean, you're looking breaking this team down. I mean, just ridiculous numbers that you see. Three of their starting guards, three guard attack, all averaging over ten uh, ten points a game. You got Jeffrey Moss and TJ Sapp along uh, along with Mr. Payne, and those guys are just ballers. I wrote it in the uh, in the preview today. Um, you got a guy like Sapp who dropped 28 in, the, in their OVC championship game. Big-time distributor. Not really. I, I really think he's more kind of like a role scorer. Maybe not the guy next to Payne, but, I mean, this guy can still fill it up. Moss, a lefty, 
20 games this season, double figures, 42 in his career. Uh, these guys also are pretty active on the perimeter. You're looking at their steals numbers. You know, they have quick hands. Are they going to trap? I haven't seen them enough to that tee to notice, you know, whether they trap or they come out in pressure. That's been the big struggle with UTEP, particularly C.J. Cooper. Love you, C.J. Don't mean throw you under the bus, my brother. But that's just the facts. And whether we can basically not just – get in the offense, but get in the half court smoothly and get guys. Oh, my God. Man. And I wrote in this big – the big one to me, though, is Vince Hunter. You know, you talk about – I really feel like Conference USA teams really got a hold of Vince's moves and were able to kind of put him in, in a shelter in a sense. But Murray State doesn't have that much time to prepare. Yeah. We know how slow we get off, and that's my, my only worry in this game – Besides, yes, they have a great starting line, great athletes. There's actually two things, and I'll get to the other one later. But the one thing is, is how we get off to these slow starts in these games. Oh yeah, we yeah. Can, if we get out to a 15 to two lead, there ain't no coming back from that, guys. We might as well just piss all over this thread and, and get mad because there ain't no coming back from that. I'm sorry. I, I really like the heart of this team. I thought that we've gotten in the hole. We've been able to fight back, but not against Murray State. Not not after not with this team. It, first of all, it shouldn't be like that. We shouldn't have to fight back from 10, 15 points down. Mm-hmm. This team is too good for that. And it's going to happen to you from time to time, but it's happened to us 10 or 12 times this season. And, and that should not be happening. And my remedy for it is to get Vince Hunter going, get him running. I always notice Vince, even when teams go zone, he's great running the baseline, catching on the baseline, one dribble, you know, pivot, power step, bucket. Get him, set him some plays where, like I mentioned earlier, Vince is better without the ball. He's a way better scorer without the ball. Yes, he has that ability to drive and break you down, and he has great NBA moves. But on this particular team with the great passers that we have, I think C.J. Cooper is a great passer. I think Julian Washburn is an underrated passer. And I think Cedric Lang has developed into a very good basketball IQ, which has helped him open his passing lanes. Draw something up to get Vince going. Vince can kill you. With those and ones, with his putback, with his hustle, we saw that to Arizona. We saw how it just meant how frustrating he can be for some guys. And now Murray State, they do have two uh, guys in the middle that are that have, I really think these type of guys. You can even go back to the Michael Craig's, the Southern Miss, or everybody. These six eight, six seven power forwards that just ball out and that are athletic as hell. Yeah. They give said trouble. They give Matt Wilms the biggest trouble. Yeah. They push him around. And a guy like Vince Young can really count. Vince Young, Vince Hunter can really cancel that out with a good layup, with, with, with some offensive putbacks. Get Vince Hunter involved for some baskets around the rim because Xavier put 54 points in the paint when they mocked them earlier in the year. I think I don't I, see, I, I don't see why you said can't I, I, do I that. want to say one thing. A lot of people are pointing out that they got rolled by Valpo, and especially the national media was talking about how this is the reason they're not in. They got rolled by Valpo. They got rolled by Xavier. I understand that. They were hurt. That was in November. They had, they had injuries. They, and it's still not a reason to lose by 30 or 40 points like they did. But this team that we're seeing today is not that nope. same team. Nope. Put Please Xavier on the floor against this team right now, and I guarantee you it's a ball I game agree. I if, agree. if Murray State doesn't win. Put Valpo on the same floor, and I guarantee you Murray State beats Valpo. I almost, I mean, I've seen Valpo play on a number of occasions this year, and I, and I was not that impressed with them. But regardless of that, this team has improved so much from November 30th when they lost their last game to today. And and if we're not careful, we can get run out of this building. Like you talked about, the worst thing that could possibly happen is for us to come and not be ready to play, fall behind 8, 10, 12 points in the first five minutes, 
they're gone. They ain't looking back, and they're not letting us back in this game. It's not going to be the same thing like when we fall down, you know, even to Colorado, Colorado State, or yeah. whatever, whatever it is. But, you know, when you're at home or in a familiar territory, these guys are going to be hungry. They're, they're playing for something because they were snubbed from the NCAA tournament. They're on their home court in front of 8,500 screaming fans. This is not going to be an easy game. That said, Julian Washburn is going to have to play lights out defense, which he has been these last couple weeks. Urban Moore is going because we saw some great defense from him early on, didn't see it so much towards the towards the end of the season. Vince Hunter's gonna have to stay out of foul trouble, and he's gonna have to do well against guys like Jarvis Williams. Cedric Lang gonna have to stay out of foul trouble, gonna have to just be down there grabbing a ton of rebounds, man. Matt Wilms, Everything. it's time to step the you know what up. Say it. It's time to step the fuck up <laughs> and, and get yourself some rebounds, man. I'm no, I know that that the guy. Is, is done well at times, but it's time to go out there one game. you got one game left. That's how you got to look at it. There's You can't leave anything on the court, man. you got to – everybody, not just Matt Williams, everybody. Hooper, Vin, when you get your minutes, you got to go in there and you got to produce. you got to finish at the hole. You can't be turning the ball over, you know, these weak hands where you get passes thrown to you and you let it go through your hands or, or rebounds as you let it get ripped away from you. Nah, it's time. Step up. Go get the ball. You know, you, you got to take advantage of your minutes, every single guy. And, and – Murray State is a team that not only do they score well, they attack the rim off the missed shots. They rebound well. They they rank in the top 50 in the nation, if I'm not mistaken, in rebounding. And so if, if this a, a team like UTEP that is as big as they are should be dominating the boards, but we've seen that we haven't. And so this is a perfect opportunity against a team like Murray State that doesn't have a guy that's over 6'8". So go out there. Just give that extra effort. Find a man. Put a, put your ass on him. Box him out and get the damn rebounds. That that that's what this is going to come yep. down to. If we let these guys, if we're just nonchalant, you know, letting them get second opportunities and and, and it, it's there's no chance for this. We wrote about it in the game preview, and like I said, those type of six seven, six eight, even going down farther to six six boards that are just able because I mean I don't know what it is. UTEP just. Is that simple? You know, that's the biggest thing everybody talks about, boxing out. Yeah. Even your your casual basketball fans. But it's going to be so important in this game, like you said, because they attack. I didn't know they attacked the glass like that. And, and they should because they have those kind of wiry athletes, those explosive athletes that can possibly, like you said, if you have weak hands, they're in there slapping. I've seen it so many times. Yeah. They're so you – know, Middle Tennessee did it on Friday to us. Yep. I mean, it, it's so many times in this Tim Floyd era. Not that maybe it's an issue. Maybe I've just been noticing it more. But these smaller guys give our bigs trouble with exactly like you're saying with these weak hands. You know, the hustle part of it. You, just, it, you know, every coach in America will say rebounding. It just has to come from within. It's all about you know, and, and and part of it. And but more so, this game is the fundamentals of the actual rebounding. You know, I think it's going to come into a big play because our guys have shown Stead can create a fuckload of space. And even Wilms, Wilms, maybe he not, he's not as strong, but I, I saw him bang with Tarzuski. I saw him create some space and hold his own. It's there. I think it's there. It, from what I've seen, though, as far as Wilms, and the reason that I kind of get on him is, as far as saying he's got to step up is because since his injury, he seems yeah. like he's playing a little more timid. Very timid. He's not comfortable out there. And if he's not, then he shouldn't be playing. You know, but if he is able to play, then he's got to be able to to not worry about that foot. And I, it's easier said than done. It's easy to sit behind this microphone and and talk shit like that and say, hey, you know, get over it and, and go play. I understand that, but you got one game left in this season, man. So what are you gonna do? Are you gonna are you are you gonna play timid and, and worry about what could happen, or are you just gonna go leave it all out on the court and try to pick up the biggest win? In my opinion, this is the biggest win since 
since 1992, man. We have not seen an NCAA tournament win. We've seen, I think, one or two NIT wins since then. But this is could be the biggest win since that time, and certainly the biggest win under Tim Floyd's time in El Paso. And it could be the it could be the biggest win leading into the NCAA tournament on Thursday. It'll have people talking. You know, like I said, it's just it's it's a lot for this game, and I really hope that the coaching staff and everybody is has the same view that we do because I think this is bigger than just the NIT banner, just the NIT, you know, show up. No, you know, there's been, I I know these coaches felt the backlash of Friday because I saw Bob Cantu on Twitter. I saw his girlfriend on Facebook kind of going off. I mean, they read stuff. They read our blogs. I'm pretty sure they read our comments. You know, there is some pressure starting to form, I think, a little bit. You know, from the fans, and is it warranted? And you know what? No, you know, it, it is. is. It is. But, no but there's a way to go about it. Some of these people are just fucking crazy. And as you know fuck, what? But you got to get this done. Just yeah. Wipe all that out to to kind of. I hate to even say this, but to kind of prove your worth in a sense. Yeah. You know. What no. I mean? You know, and and I was one of them that was giving them shit, and I and I was I would never go out and personally call somebody out on Twitter because that's just dumb. But I did I did say some things on Twitter. Maybe I shouldn't have said them. Maybe I should have. It doesn't really matter. I, I, I stand behind them. I, I That's how I feel about what's going on right now. There should be pressure on these guys. They have been they have been deemed – well, I shouldn't say they. Floyd has been deemed the second coming of Don Haskins, all right? And if he's ever going to live up to that, it's got to start happening now because – I'm sorry, we're five years in, and I don't care who's out there. There's so many people talking about, oh, well, if we didn't have Floyd, not nah, bullshit. If we didn't have Floyd, what? Look at what Barbie did. Look at what look at what Gillespie did. Look at what Sadler did. And 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 you know, yeah, we didn't win any conference. I mean, NCAA tournament games. We had conference championships. We had NCAA tournament appearances. We had when Barbie left, we had perhaps the best lineup that we have seen since '92. Since '92. <laughs> And we were talking about some good teams when you talk about Stephon Jackson, Billy Rivera. Yeah. You know, you had some damn good teams. Brandon Wolfram led teams. I mean, it's it's amazing to me how we have not had more success with the talent that we've had since Floyd has been here. And again, look, I'm all for Floyd being the leader of this program, but if he's not getting it, it where it needs to go, then at some point. We just got to cut the ties and stop. But we got to take the blinders off, man. Look, I really, 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 really hope that we win tomorrow. And I really hope that we continue a streak and that we show something. The coaching staff and this team shows some kind of promise for the future. I I pray to God that happens. When UTEP loses, it tears me up, bro. It ruins my day. There's no other team in the world than UTEP basketball that does exactly that. That's what I'm saying. The Raiders can lose. 0-16, I can give a shit, but UTEP loses the Southern Miss. You can call me a hater or whatever you want, but that really is not the case at all. It tears me up. But at some point, we got to be realistic, and we got to hold them accountable. That's what it's about. You can't just give him a free ride. I didn't just go, hey, take this wherever you want for as long as you want. At some point, you got to start, you know, holding them responsible, you know, start questioning what's going on. Maybe I'm early on it. Maybe I am, but I don't know. I'm just saying it's got to start happening, and tomorrow's the perfect, perfect opportunity. It is. I mean, it just there's been a lot of opportunities under Florida. You, you go back to when Anthony Bennett came here, UNLV, Oregon, those type of, you know, games where – those put you on a different pedestal, not only nationally, but on coaches' radars for voting you into the top 25. Yep. 
for coaches' radars to say, hey, you know what? I didn't work out this kid. He's a damn good recruit, but why don't you look at him, Tim? You know, because you guys came and we went into your house and you put 10,000 and you guys beat our ass. And I, I, I was filming, watching this kid, and I just thought he fit in. There's just, there's yeah, just, no, to, I agree. To, me, to me, there's just so much I more than, than just winning. And, and, and I just really feel like with Floyd, this team was just like, here's 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 the national state it's like we're halfway there not close but like halfway to the halfway point of we're there and why, you why can't do you turn that corner i completely agree with what you're saying and more than just other coaches what about when we're talking about being on the bubble you know why do teams not necessarily just your ucla and texas that got in this year right but your vcus your butlers why are they given that free, not free ride, but why are they just, like, given the benefit of the doubt and put in there? Because they Butler, shit. Butler's a six seed this year, man, and they've been up and down all season long. They've looked great at times. They've looked terrible at times. But they win, and people know they win. So when it comes down to it and you're talking about trying to field the best 64 teams in the nation, they're going to get a good long look, even if they're 20 and 10. And a team like UTEP? When, when over and over and over you, you show that you can't play on that stage, they're not going to choose you. No. They're not going to choose you. It's like being in a pickup game, bro, and and, and you're the guy that, that, <laughs> that, that can't make shots, and you're like, come on, pick me. Or don't me, call out your screen. Pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me, and you never get picked. But that dude that goes out there and balls is the first one to go, bro, all the time. And and that's just the way it is. When when you see that stuff, you think that the committee doesn't isn't – like emotional in a sense, as far as buying into to these bigger programs and, and feeling the way that they play is just on a different level than a team like UTEP, you know, or a team like Murray State. It's it's just a fact of the matter, man. And and look again, we've had so many opportunities to put UTEP on that map, on that stage, and we haven't. This is an opportunity to do it. You've got another one. It's like. It's just like they keep coming. They keep coming. They keep coming. When are we going to take advantage? And and honestly, it's not even just Floyd. It's been like that for years now. Since Don Haskins left, since before his last, you know, obviously the last few years when Haskins weren't very great. But since since that 92 team, you know, we've had plenty of opportunities to get ourselves back to that to that glory. And we haven't. And we're staring another one in the face, man. We're staring down the barrel. What are you going to do? Got to step over and play some damn basketball tomorrow. So I'm gonna pose you this question: You got two must-haves that have to happen, X and O's. If you're UTEP, if not, you get ran off Murray State. Whatever. Biggest, biggest key is is controlling the tempo. Control the tempo. Um, Murray State is gonna want to run you out of the damn building tomorrow night, man. They're gonna want to put up 90 points, and if we let them get up into the 80s and close to 90, we're not winning that game. I just I don't I don't see it. So we have to control the tempo. And you talked about that that experimental rules that they're working on with with thirty seconds. Oh, we didn't even get into that. That we didn't. But that you know to mention it, the NIT tournament is going to be working with a couple of experimental rules. They're going to be extending the 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 um, restricted zone under the basket from three feet out to four feet, and they're going to be using a thirty second shot clock versus a thirty five second shot clock. Now the biggest thing, the restricted zone is one thing. That charge block call. Is bullshit and it goes both ways all the time. You get terrible calls no matter whether there's a restricted that restricted circle could be the three point line. You still have terrible calls. It doesn't matter. But the 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 thirty second shot clock is going to speed the game up. That's why you see the NBA then scoring one hundred and twenty points. 
whatever, you know, the average is, I don't know, 100 points, whatever. But I'm just saying, that's why you see that such a big disparity in point scoring because the possessions go by so much faster. And and so with a team like Murray State that already wants to push it, that's going to speed up the game. But now that we have five seconds left and have to push it a little more ourselves, we're going to be speeding up the game as well. So we've got to do our best to play good defense, keep the game a little slower, don't let them get off and run every single possession, and keep the games into the 60s and 70s. We'll have a much better chance to win. Second, box out, man. Box out. In the rebounding battle against this team. If they start having 10, 12, 14 second chance opportunities, they're going to get an extra 15 to 20 points on us. And especially we're playing behind. from behind. And we're done. So those two things, man. Control the tempo. Control the game. You know, make it your pace and box out. My mind's going to be boxed out. You touched on it. Second one, guards got to make some shots. Yep. You know, we got to make some shots. So many teams have just been able to pack the pain in. You know, if you, you want to watch UTEP and how you stop them, watch that Middle Tennessee game. You know, really watch the second Middle Tennessee game, not the first one because we shot 12 or 16, but pack that pain, extend your pressure out. And like you said, it's five less seconds. You know, we struggle to get into any type of offensive flow against Middle Tennessee, and all of a sudden we're, we're – you know, we're facing two defenses, the shot clock and our defense, and we're getting horrible shots. And guard play is going to be so huge. So more than just guard play, not guard, not shot making is going to be my second pick, just guard play. we got to have some type of penetration. Somebody's got to, damn, that was a mean charge call. You see that? Yeah. <laughs> just all through it out. But, I mean, somebody just really has to come out and make some plays defensively, offensively, get us in, match their guard production if possible. It's going to be hard because we haven't gotten that type of production yeah. from our guards at all. Maybe once in a blue moon, you know, we'll have one guy go off, we'll get to the 75, 80-point mark. But we had to have multiple production out of the guards and solid guard play, getting us in the offense, um, being able to guard the, the dribble drive on their three guards. That's going to be big. You know, being able to keep them past the three-point line where they're not just settling in for three-point shots, one step, and boom, you're in the shot. Extend that. And, I, you know, we just got to be able to take care of the ball. Yeah. You know, somebody talked about it, uh, you know, and like I said, it goes back to guard play. Somebody talked about it on the comment thread on the preview where, you know, it's like they're locked, it's like they're locked tech with better rebounding, which with me, then that means we got to we gotta take care of the ball because they're going to try to turn over and what are they going to do? Try to run. Try to kill kill us off that points off turnovers. And it's the same thing on second chance points. If we're doubled up in points off turnovers, we're probably down 10 to 15 points. You know, that's just how it is. We've gone as our guard play goes. I think the guards were 13 out of 36 from the field combined. I'm talking about Omega, uh, Julian. I'm talking about uh, Morris and, and Cooper. 13 of 36 in the next Conference USA semifinal. That's not going to get it done. Yeah. That is just not anything less than 45% from those guys. We got to at least combine the each need, at least make a three-pointer. That would just alleviate so much. It would grab so much momentum. We got to be able to answer back. I think because, like you said, they're going to play in the 80s. And, and, and if they dictate that tempo and we're not able to slow it down and grind it up, but we got to make some shots. And, we got, and we've shown that ability to do that. But it's just that consistency of doing that that's just buried us time and time. I think we also have to be aggressive. You know, you got to be controlled, yeah. but you got to be aggressive. You got to you got to force these guys to to I don't know make some decisions. And and if you're if you're aggressive, you're gonna get calls. Okay, that's that's one thing that you that you always will see in basketball. I hate when if you're aggressive. Now again, aggressive but controlled. You can't be go running people over, dropping your shoulder, and yeah. expect to get a call. But if you're aggressive, you're, you're driving to the rim, more often than not, you're going to get a call. And this is a team that is not deep. 
they run basically six guys that play, I think, like 28 to 30 minutes, 32 minutes a game. And one guy and averages one, seven off the bench. And one guy averages, yeah, something like that. So, you know, this is a team that doesn't go very deep. Obviously, the minors don't either. But if, if one team gets into foul trouble, then obviously that plays very well into the hands of the other team. So I think we have to be aggressive. we got to be controlled but aggressive. Try to get some of these guys into foul trouble. And, and if they get into foul trouble, it, it puts a little added pressure onto other guys. Let's say, let's say they're bigs, you know, get into foul trouble. It makes their guards, which obviously is their strength anyway, but it's, it makes their guards feel like they have to do more. You know, and, and and vice versa. Their guards get into foul trouble. Their bigs feel like they have to produce more, and and that makes that that's better for us because that plays into our strengths as far as our size. So I think again on offense we got to be controlled but aggressive and try to try to get these guys into some foul trouble. I think I think that will be that will be huge as well. Let me ask you this question on the defensive end of this because I, I you know of course me you watch a lot of college basketball through the year. And as I'm watching the American Sports Network, you know, they have a, a very good handle of what we're doing in Conference USA and mid-major. Something that jumped out on me when I'm watching the, the quarterfinals is the announcer says, there's nobody, I haven't, and I can't remember who it was. I don't know if it was uh, the old coach at Rice, but he said, I've watched a lot of college basketball, and there's only two teams in college basketball that change defenses more, and that's Middle Tennessee and UTEP. Obviously, we know why Middle Tennessee, and obviously, we know about UTEP. Can that be kind of something in Floyd's back pocket, and let's just say their guards come out and they just come out firing. And But we're able to get, get the bigs in foul trouble. Do you think that changing defenses where we can try and go into and kind of box, you know, uh, box their big-time guard? you think maybe with Julian and, and Washburn and, and Julian and Washburn, Julian and Morris, where we've seen those two guys kind of have that I think, chemistry, do you think that will work and maybe a wrinkle? Or an I, I definitely think so because I don't think they see a lot of that in the OVC. I don't think so either. You know, maybe they they do see some quote-unquote junk defenses every now and then. You're trying to go into boxing or whatever. But, but I don't think that you see the switching of it nearly as much as you see it with, with teams in Conference USA like we talked about. And And so because of that, I think that'll definitely throw a wrinkle into it for them. That'll, that'll, they'll kind of have to adjust to that on the fly. Because it's one thing you come down court man one possession, the next possession all of a sudden you're facing a box and one. And then and you sit it out in the middle exactly, of the triangle exactly. and yeah. and so, so you don't know what to do. So I think that's going to take some adjustment. That's going to throw them off a little bit. But I also think it's going to be tough to run those because they have four guys that can, that can fill it up. It's not just Cameron Payne. So you do a box and one, you run that one on, you run Julian on, on Cameron Payne. They've got three other guys that can still get it done. And that one three one, where there's always holes on exactly. our wings for three. Exactly. Those that one three one, I think is not a good fit. For, yeah, I, I don't think out. it's a good fit for this game. Obviously, you can try. I don't it. think it's a good fit for our team. I don't think we have quick footed athletes that's on the true. outside, honestly. That's true. But you know, I, I think I think that's. I think it's going to throw a wrinkle into it, but you've got to be careful because you can't just leave open shooters out there trying to run a box and one. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. I.e. Devontae but. Jones. <laughs> that boy, man. I, that uh, got me pretty drunk on Friday. Well, man, so, I mean, I feel like we've pretty much covered this damn game pretty well. I think so, too, man. It's going to ESPN 2 tomorrow, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, big stage. I mean, damn, you, just, you can't get bigger than, than ESPN 2. You're going to... You, Win this game. ESPN. It's on ESPN? <laughs> well, you're going to be on ESPN. You said you can't be bigger. You can't get bigger. Oh, yeah, that's true. No, I mean, you, you can't get bigger to get into the highlights. I mean, you know, that everybody's talking about Murray State right now. 
And UTEP could be yeah, that one be lot, team. There's going to be a lot of eyes on them, man. Yep. So, I mean, this, there's going to be a lot of eyes really on Florida State and if UTEP. You know, the one thing that scares you, man, is, and I and I said this before, the La Tech, the second La Tech game, you can go back and listen to that podcast, and I talked about the one thing that scares me is us not showing up and getting run out of the building. And and this is another game that that could happen. Yep. That it could be a, a, another La Tech, you know, where where we just don't show up, all of a sudden they get hot. And when you get hot and team gets hot on you and you're on the road, it's it's so tough to come back from. And like we mentioned, that there's ways to get yourself out of this game because you weren't prepared to play this game. You know, you, you just had a whims of a notice. Hey, pack up yourself, get ready. We're yeah. leaving. It, uh, be it be at the Foster Stevens Center at six. Plane leaves at eight. You know, exactly. and you hope that maybe that that could be kind of a plus, maybe in our advantage, but. From what we've seen, the excuses with the Western Kentucky trip, that's just not a good mix. Look, here's here's the biggest thing, man. Here's the biggest thing. This 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 team has heard the naysayers. Yeah. This team has seen the hating. In fact, one thing that I thought was completely classless was people calling out Vince Hunter. Oh yeah. You know, telling mentioning mentioning him on Twitter and and just saying you know that whatever they were overrated free throws. I mean that's bullshit, man. That's that's terrible. The guy has been our best player all season long. And the guy and and one thing that he has done is try like he gives the effort all game long. He's the one that you always see diving for balls no matter what it is. And so that's that's terrible. But my point is these guys have heard the hate, have heard the naysayers, have heard the the busting their balls of just you guys didn't do this, you guys didn't do that, whatever. And and I'm one of those guys that has been on their case, and they hear this stuff. So it's time to shut everybody up. You hear it? Get ready to play. Shut them up. Shut me up, please do. Please do. Don't don't give me something to be disappointed about tomorrow. And and again, I think this will be a, a great opportunity for for redemption for Floyd for Utah basketball for a lot of people. Are we making predictions or are we just going to not? I'm not even making I got a big question, though, for you. And for every, anybody out there, you can comment this on whatever. I grew out this very ugly tournament beard for the Conference USA tournament. We lost. Should it leak? Should we go? Is it tainted? Is the tournament beard tainted? Is that your tournament beard? That was my tournament beard. Now it's now it's tainted. Is it is it tainted? Should I get rid of it? Because I, I almost did it this morning, but I woke up late, so I just got up and went. But I'm really debating should it go or should it stay? Because it's, it, it's, I feel like it's tainted. I feel like it's tainted because of middle tennis. I don't know, man, because cause I, I said the same thing and I shaved. Well, this is shaved for me. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, I think you should, man. I'm going to watch. I think you should. I'm going to go, I'm going to read up on some races right now. You got I just I I'm a big jinx guy. I'm a big superstitious guy. What can I say? I, I, before every baseball game, I had to put the left sock on before the right, bro. I just I don't know. I, I don't know. Call me crazy. Call me whatever I you want. Some crazy shit in football too. Yeah, man. But, we'll see what's good. Y'all know where to find us. We'll be on the comment thread. Uh, really appreciate all the love we've been getting on there. You guys have just been some great conversations. Really appreciate that. Um, you know, just. We're gonna put up. Hopefully, in the off season we we can continue that. We got a lot to talk about, you know, with football season and with basketball. It's gonna be a very very interesting off season in Utepia or minor nation. Let's, no let's, let's hope let's hope we're still alive. And uh, let's hope we're still alive next week and we can have another episode of the Rush Podcast. I'm, I'm, that's that's a, that's a hope. That's a good hope. Anyways, it's been a good season. No matter what happens tomorrow night, relatively speaking. <laughs> <laughs> we've had a good time here on the rush podcast and until the next time whether it's next week or next season 
We're out. Hey.